Your way? How do you want it? Yeah, God's way seems to be uh, overall the best. Would you agree? And so that's kind of how we're trying to live. And uh, it's not always easy, though. Sometimes God's way has some challenges in it that we wouldn't uh, pick or choose for ourselves to go through. But uh, you're doing really good so far today, aren't you? So far, so good. You look great. And uh, it's just a joy to be with you on this wonderful Palm Sunday. And we just are having a great weekend. And thank you so much for your heart. And looking forward to next week as well. But I, uh, I, I just I want to talk today about this whole idea of, of the voices. I've called this message, I Hear Voices. Because I do. Um, that's why I'm the way I am. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> How many of you are the way you are because you hear voices? Okay. Uh, sometimes I do have conversations with myself. And, and it's not always out loud, but I do answer my own questions, except for the hard ones I don't sometimes. We all do. If you, if you don't have voices in your head, it's because you are brain dead and you don't have thoughts. Because those voices are thoughts. We all have the capacity for thinking. And we all have thoughts. We don't always want to express it or say it, thank goodness, in some cases. But we all think. Um, I've, been, I've read that you're thinking six to eight times faster than I'm speaking. So that you're, you're seeing color and, and movement and your brain is hearing what I'm saying and it's going through your mind and you're taking it in and spitting it out and chewing on it while you're aware of everything around you as well. So it's amazing what your brain does. There are many voices in our culture that cry out. There are many opinions about God. There are many thoughts and opinions about who Jesus is, who He was back then, who He is now. Which voice, whose voice, will we choose to listen to about this thing? I, uh, I remember a few years ago, Bonnie, my wife Bonnie, woke me up like 4 o'clock in the morning. Gary, Gary, there's someone downstairs. I heard them. And I'm like, okay, I'll pray and you go check it out. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm kidding. I didn't say that. I didn't say I would pray. I just said, go check it out. It, there was no one in our house, thank God. But she was coming out of a dream where she heard these voices and it was so real. It seemed so real to her. Have you been there? You know what I'm talking about? So, so there is something about when these voices come in our head, we have to choose. Okay, is that a real voice? Is that something I need to contemplate in my real life? Or, or can I just know that I'm coming out of a dream and I shouldn't listen to that voice? Is there someone you've decided, I will no longer listen to them because they confuse me or I don't want their opinion anymore. I'm, I'm not going to listen to them. Whose voice will you allow into your life? In this story on Palm Sunday, these people of Matthew 21 did not know it was Palm Sunday. They created it. Did you know that? Did you realize? No one sends them a memo that says, it's Palm Sunday, so go get some palms, cut them off the branches. No. They did this out of a natural response. How did they do that? They did that because a voice in their head said, 
This is the Son of God. Go cut down some palm branches and wave them like you do when the king comes to town. They took off their outer garments because this is royalty. The Son of God has come. So there are all kinds of things that we're going to see today. I have five voices that I want to talk about, all part of this story. Keep your Bible open to Matthew 21. We're going to go verse by verse. The first voice is the voice of praise. It's the most compelling voice. It's why we have Palm Sunday. It's why pastors are preaching all across America and the world on this particular day from this passage. Okay? And other passages like it. The voice of praise. Matthew 21, verse 6. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to Him, and they threw their garments over the colt, and He sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of Him, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them out on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around Him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. How many of you know that's a key phrase? Son of David, lineage of the Messiah. They're saying, this is the Messiah. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in highest heaven. Some of the people, if you you took note of it, um, when I was reading that at the beginning there of of verse 8, it says, most people put their cloaks in the road. Most people cut down palm branches. Not everyone. (laughs) Not everyone. Not everyone was happy. But in this moment, Matthew has decided to tell us about the people who were praising God and actually, actually breaking out in spontaneous praise for one reason. They were recognizing that this was God. Son of David, the lineage of, you are the Messiah. You have come. Now they had lots of expectations, no doubt. But they were praising the Messiah. They were giving Him glory. Why do you give praise, if you do, give praise to God? Why would you sing songs like we were this morning and proclaim, make a proclamation with your voice and, and, and read those words off the screen or declare them from your heart? Is there something in you that that you do that because it's just what we do for a few minutes around here? Or is there something of of praise that comes out of you, whether it's here or tomorrow or Wednesday or whatever happens, you just how many of you just wake up sometimes and you just say, Praise be to God. That's what I thought. Not to me. <laughs> After a cup of coffee, maybe. It's a big question. What makes you praise God? What, what happens? What has to happen for you to praise God? I'm alarmed because in some ways, I find most people or many people praising God when something really good happens to them. Now, is that wrong? No. I think it's great when people, I won the lottery. Praise God. <laughs> Pay your tithe. You know. No. It is interesting, though. Do you praise God? Is it when God does what you think God should do? Is that when you praise Him? Is it, is it when things work out nice and you praise Him? You call someone up and say, I just want to give praise to God because this all worked out. 
exactly like I hoped it would? Hmm. These are hard questions. Is there, is your praise, is my praise connected to God's behavior toward you? Is there a place of praise for God in which nothing is expected from God? Will you praise Him if He does nothing in your behalf? Just because He's God. It's so interesting in the Gospels when Jesus, He hasn't done a miracle, He hasn't started His ministry, He hasn't done anything, and He's baptized by John the Baptist. And He comes up out of the water and there's this voice out of heaven. Whose voice is it? God the Father. And... The Father, everyone hears it. It's just this voice. It would be kind of scary. But, but the Father says, This is my Son. Okay. In whom I am well pleased. Wow. Jesus, what did you do to please Him? I haven't started my ministry yet. I haven't really done anything. Why is the Father pleased with Jesus? Because of their relationship. That's what the Father was celebrating in that moment. He wasn't saying, you as a carpenter made some really nice chairs. Way to go, son. You're the man. He's saying, I'm pleased with you. I feel you. We are one. When we give praise, there needs to be a sense in us about our relationship with God. That He loves us and we love Him and we were born for this. We proclaim you as God. If you never do anything in my behalf, I praise you because you are God. That's a, that's a huge challenge. Huge challenge. But the voice of praise came on this day for a lot of reasons. People recognized he was God. The second voice is the voice of question. Now, it's a big question, and we're going we're gonna to throw it out there for you to think about today. The voice of question is in verse 10. The next verse, I want to read it. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. And here's the question. If you write in your Bible, you might want to underline this. Who is this? They asked. Who is this? Is this talking about Jesus? The crowds replied, It's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. I'm absolutely convinced today that the world is still asking the question, Who is this? Who, who is this? Because there are so many ideas about Jesus, there's so many thoughts about Jesus. I, I want to throw some things out there for you to think about with me. Is, is this the Republican Jesus? Is this the Jesus who is a Democrat? Is this the Oprah Jesus? Is this the pro-American Jesus? Is this the white Jesus or the black Jesus? Is this the logical, science-friendly Jesus? Or is this the no-brains-required, anti-science Jesus? You see the dilemma we're in here? Who is this? Everyone has their version of Jesus. Who is He, really? 
It's a, it's a huge thing. Is this the Jesus who ensures that I will forever have a job? Thank you for your comment. <laughs> it's okay. Is this the Jesus who heals me every time I'm sick? Is that what he promised? Is this the Jesus who will allow my son or my daughter or my spouse or my best friend to die in an accident? Is, is, is that Jesus? Who is this? These are hard questions. Is Jesus the one who calms the storm or the one who creates it? Is he my friend? Is he my enemy? Is he on my side or does he oppose me? Does he love me only when I behave? <laughs> For some, that would not be very often. <laughs> Is this actually the Jesus who would send, quote, send someone to hell? Hmm. Hard questions. No wonder they said, who is this? Everyone has an opinion. Everyone has a thought. Um, all of these questions are relevant in our world today, and they're being asked by millions. It's confusing. It was confusing then, then, and it's confusing now. I would like to just say, what are your expectations of Jesus? And where did you get those expectations? Is it based on truth or based on your theology that you made up because it's good theology, in your opinion? Hmm. This is what I know about Jesus. There's a lot more. But I just put a few things down. I believe this is the Jesus who decided you were worth Him giving up His life to save. That, that means something to me. This is the Jesus who actually left heaven and put skin on. I mean, to leave the divine and come human, one, one author said it would be like you choosing to become a, mag, a, a maggot. And I'm not demeaning the human race. I don't mean it like that. But to be fully God and can be confined to humanity, big, big jump, okay? Big leap. Backwards. That's this Jesus. This Jesus is the one who died brutally on a cross, suffering for my sin and your sin. I know that this is the Jesus who promised to never leave your side, not even for one second. He's never walked away from you, ever. This is the Jesus who loves you when you hate Him. And some of you have. This is the Jesus who holds you when you blame Him, when you resent Him, when you're angry at Him. He sticks with you. He stays by you. He won't let you go. This is the Jesus who uses everything in your life for the good. Everything. It's just that you don't know that now. You don't see that. You don't have a glimpse of the bigger picture that He lives with in the broad scale every moment. And it's frustrating at times when I don't know why I'm going through what I'm going through. 
That's why these people on this day, that's why most of them praised Him. Most of them put their cloaks in the road. Most of them cut, cut down palm branches. But not everyone. Because they don't know who He is. And they're not sure that they can figure it out. As a matter of fact, as we go through the text, it gets worse. They become more harsh. Because this is a Jesus that is very unique. This Jesus, you cannot force Him. How many of you tried? He doesn't hear our commands. Um, you cannot see Him. You cannot ignore Him. He's there. Just pressing things. Just You can't ignore Him. You can't manipulate Him like you can other people. You can't reduce Him. Though you try, you cannot harm him. Um, but I want you to know something, you guys. You can know him. You can know him. You can trust him. And you can choose, you can choose of your free will to praise him for being God. It's your choice. Don't get stuck in just the performance record of God equals I will praise Him. But will I live my life submitted to God and will I offer praise because He is God? Big question. Well, let me, uh, let me go to the third voice, alright? Things shift a lot in the text now. We go from focusing on Jesus and praising Him to the voice of correction, number three. The voice of correction. He's about to make an adjustment in the stock market of Jerusalem. It's true. It's absolutely true. This is about money that we're about to read. It's the, the Wall Street of the church here. Here we go. Verse 12. Then Jesus entered the temple and he began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, The Scriptures declare my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you've turned it into a den of thieves. What is he doing? He's, he's knowing that the intent of the temple was for relationship with God. What have they made it? Some of you know this, but it's worth repeating. In this day, people would bring sacrifices that they would offer on an altar in the temple, inside. This was in the outer court. So, people would bring those animals, doves, and all kinds of other things that could be offered in sacrifice so the people who were coming could purchase them there and go into the temple to offer them as a sacrifice. We don't sacrifice animals anymore. We don't have to. Why? Because Jesus was, that's why He's called the Lamb of God. The Lamb who was slain, His blood now is our purity. He became the ultimate sacrifice for our sin. So, there you go. So he walks in there, and what's happening is that they're ripping people off. They're cheating. They're deceiving people. They're lying. Their scales are not representing the truth in the money exchanging. So, you, you know, it's like going to the airport and cashing in a 20 for some other country, and they take their share. How many of you noticed that? Only they were taking more than they were reporting. More than they should have been. They were ripping people off. They didn't represent the truth. And Jesus says, wait a minute. My temple, 
My temple is for honest relationship and integrity with God. You have turned it into a den of thieves. You're ripping people off. Now, for us to understand the context of this, I want to take you from the temple era, which, you know, temples, sanctuaries that are built for God to honor God in the name of God. We don't do that anymore. We don't call this a temple because it's not in the, in the Bible sense of the word. We don't even refer, at Timberline, we don't even refer this to our sanctuary because that has connotations about it that are biblical language representing where God abides. What is the temple for us in our world today? Us. Paul writes to the Corinthian church and says, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? It's not about going to the temple. It's about inviting the Spirit of God in your life. And so I look at this text differently than some, but I want to just throw it out there to you. Yes, he was purifying that moment. Yes, he realized it was for relationship with God and integrity. But Jesus still has a habit of overthrowing the tables of my life. Because I need it. When I'm not fully honest, when I don't have real integrity, when my character's in question, when those thoughts in my brain do not honor God, Jesus comes into the temple. He lives here. It's His place. So guess what? He can look around. And you can't trick Him. I've tried. <laughs> he knows the truth. Why? Because this temple was built for relationship with God. This place, don't turn it into a den of thieves. Don't rip off God. You were created for worship and praise to God. <laughs> I love that. I want that. I'm hungry for more of that. So sometimes my tables get turned over. Sometimes I'm being questioned and I need to be corrected. You need to be corrected. It's amazing in the culture we live in. You just try to correct someone. You just, you just try to tell someone they don't know how to drive. Just try to make a little spiritual correct, correction in someone's life. You know what they'll say to you typically in this culture? Don't judge me. You're going to be judged if you do. Let me tell you something. That's not a license for you to do whatever you want. This book has some standards for how we're supposed to live. How many of you need some correction once in a while? My dad, who's in heaven now, but just that when I was a little boy, I have, I have some really interesting memories. I'm talking four, five, six, seven years old. And my dad was a strong disciplinarian. Kind, loving, awesome father. He, he just was, I mean, God, my dad. You know, I mean, really, I mean that. I loved him dearly incredible man but he was not afraid to bring correction and he did it as kind as he could his tone of voice stayed the same but when i was in trouble or i had really done something i knew was wrong and i shouldn't have done it he would say to me jerry go to my bedroom i'll be there in a minute no i don't want to go there <laughs> i love going into their bedroom but not for moments like this I remember we'd sit on the bed and we would walk through the process of me understanding what I had done. And whether I got a spanking, my dad believed in spankings, by the way. So I know it's not politically correct and I understand that, but 
there was great love there. And uh, he would give me a swat or something. And then I always remember the next requirement was that I had to hang out with him for a while. I couldn't just run off and pout. I couldn't just go find mom and cry on her shoulder. If we were going to watch something or do something, I always had to sit on his lap because he cherished the relationship. See, that's God. When He brings correction to our lives, sometimes you need a table to be overturned in your life. It will get your attention. It feels horrible. It's all you've known. But God says, come. Climb up in my lap. Trust me to be daddy. The voice of correction is a good voice. The fourth voice is the voice of need. And it's right here in the text. Because after the correction was made, notice this, this is a pretty big thing. There's a complete change of what happens in the temple area. Verse 14, the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. How many of you can say praise God for that? That's good stuff right there, isn't isn't it? Verse 15, the leading priests and the teachers of religious law saw these wonderful miracles. And then they heard children in the temple shouting, praise God for the son of David. Praise God for the Messiah. Now that made them mad. We'll talk about that in a minute because they didn't view him as the Messiah. But even the children recognized who God was. I'm amazed that simple faith, sometimes what kids know about God is way exceeds what I know about God. Have you noticed that? They just trust Him. They just believe it. They just pray it. I love kids' prayers. But what happened was, once all this turmoil is gone, once the cheating is gone, once the deception is over, the money changers are gone, guess who there's room for? The needs. The people who were sick. The people who were blind. The people who were lame. The people who had issues in their life. Now, they come to the temple <laughs> they were probably asked to stay away. But Jesus cleansed the temple. What does that say? What does that mean? I want to apply this to our lives. Just in these few minutes we have left, here's what I think it means. When you get rid of the money changers and the tables of your heart, when you sell out to God, when you fully become a person who is engaged with doing the will of God, you recognize the needs around you. Your antennas go up at a new level. You become intuitive. You have the discernment of the Spirit. You'll recognize that need. When all you're doing is changing money at the table, you're busy. You're busy doing your stuff. You're busy dealing with your issues and your agenda. But when you are cleansed, guess what? The temple core of your life is opened up and you start to see the world differently. How many of you believe that the Christian worldview should be different than the non-Christian worldview? We care about things other people don't care about. That's why we feed people we never meet. That's why we give money. That's why next weekend, let me just mention this, that's why next weekend we're taking a one day to feed the world offering in our church. You say, what is that? It's in your bulletin. Please read that. Read through it. We're asking people. We're asking people. I'm asking you, please consider taking one day of your wage and giving it away next weekend on Easter. You say, well, I can't afford to do that. Of course you can't. It's called sacrificial giving. It's hard. It's awful. And you know what? People say, well, that's just, you know, Timberline wants to give away money. Let me tell you something. This impacts us too. None, none of this money goes to our general fund. It's a risk when a pastor says, bring a day's wages and give it, because then the next weekend, <laughs> guess what happens to your tithe and offering? Not always, but sometimes. 
But I believe we as a church, we should sacrifice. We're given 75% of that offering to Convoy of Hope, who, who are first responders of disaster relief, hurricanes, and they feed thousands of people every day in places of the world you'll never go to and never see. And we're keeping 25% of that, not for our general fund to help us, but to give away locally in our community. And I, I'm excited about this, but I'm, I'll tell you what I'm doing. I've picked the day this week that I'm going to wake up in the morning and I'm going to know everything I do on this day I'm giving on Easter weekend. I just want to go through the day recognizing it and see if it impacts me to think I'm not working for Timberline today. This money, I'm going, I'm giving this money to that. So I challenge you to pick a day. And if you can't do a whole day's wages, just do a whole week's. It's fine. <laughs> and if you're unemployed and don't have a day's wage, man, you got off the hook. Just pray you get a job Monday after Easter. Now, give what you want. We won't twist any arms. But the voice of need means that I am willing to see the needs around me and touch them. Jesus healed them. Last voice, the voice of anger. I'll make this quick. The voice of anger is, but the leaders were indignant. That little Greek word right there means to be greatly afflicted. It's a resent, harsh word. They were indignant and they asked Jesus, do you hear what these children are saying? In other words, blasphemy. Um, they're calling you God. And they didn't like that Jesus didn't correct them for that. Why didn't he stop and say, oh no, I'm not the Messiah. They couldn't believe it. Yes, Jesus replied. That probably blew him away, but look at what he, then he said. Haven't you ever read the scriptures? <laughs> I love that about Jesus. That's what they had given their life to, and they missed it. That's why there's no such thing as a professional Christian. We're all in a journey somewhere, but we all need to keep pressing toward God. For they say, you have taught children and infants to give you praise. Then he returned to Bethany and stayed overnight. Basically, the religious leaders came to Jesus in this moment, and they said, do you hear these children calling you the Son of God? Don't you get it? And Jesus basically answers back, Do you hear these children calling me the Son of God? Don't you get it? I want us to get it. He is God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you are God. I praise you that you are God. I don't understand things in my life right now. I don't know why things are happening in this world. I don't understand what seems to be injustice, hate. I don't know. But I know I will praise you because you are God. I want to pray for some of you who would ask the question, who is this? Guys, it's a great question. You may have walked in here alone today. You may have come with a friend. But if you don't know who Jesus is, would you let me pray with you? Because... I want you to ask that question. Who is this? And all the confusion around the name of Jesus and what He does and what He doesn't do and what He claims and what other people claim, stop that battle in your mind. And listen to His voice for you personally today as you say, Who are you, Jesus? He will meet you here in this room and through a spiritual renewal, a revelation that can only come from God, you can know Him. I promise you that's true. I don't know how it works, but I know it does. If you're asking the question, who are you? 
and you would let me pray over you because you want to invite him to reveal himself in deeper, more meaningful ways than he ever has. Would you just, not to me, but in both auditoriums, would you just slip up a hand right now, please? Just hold it up for a second. God bless. Okay. You can put them down. Anyone else? Lord, we pray that you would begin to reveal in newer ways than ever before the truth about who you are to a receptive heart that's asking the question, who are you? Only you can do that, Lord, through your spirit. I don't know how to do that, but you can. So we trust you as these people cross that line, as they confess their sin, as they open their heart to say, Lord, I believe. Show me. I trust you. Secondly, how many of you would just say, I, I'm, I'm in a place where I've got some tables that need to be overturned in my life and my temple's not pure and I don't see the world the way I should because I'm dealing with all this other stuff and I, I need to cross a line of new integrity. Whatever it is, just hold up your hand to God. Would you just do that? Thank you. God, help us to see the truth and walk in it. For your glory, we pray these things. Show us how to praise you for the right reasons and for no reason other than you are God. In your name, amen. Wow. You guys are something. You know that? You really are. I love you. I'm proud of you. Stand with me if you're able. Let's have a final prayer for Easter next weekend. Because I know most of you will be coming at 7 a.m. next weekend. And I really appreciate that. I would like to actually ask as many of you as possible. Because honestly, in the next crowd, the 1130 service, they don't even know there's a 7 a.m. Okay? But you guys are in the middle. And so how many of you would say, I'll consider 7 just to help? How many of you love God? And you'll, you'll, you'll <laughs> I'm kidding you. Lord, thanks for the, the resurrection. Thank you that you're alive and well. Thank you. God, send us out of here knowing that we can let love live because our temple is clean. Even if you've turned some tables over in our lives, we give you praise. We thank you. We praise you for who you are more than for what you do in your name. Amen. I love you. Our prayer team, come on up here. If you want to pray with someone, come now. We'd love to pray with you. Have a great weekend.